Bringing the human factor to construction, design, and architecture. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Building Science Podcast. My name is Miguel. Hello, and I'm Christoph Irwin. We are with Positive Energy. We're a building science consulting firm here in Austin, Texas. And we are dedicated to bringing the human factor to construction, design, and architecture. And this is our very first podcast, so we want to give you a brief overview of what this podcast is all about. And then we're going to jump into a really interesting concept right off the bat. Yeah, we, we wanted to find a way to educate all kinds of people about the basic science that goes into building a home. Uh, whether you're an average homeowner, uh, all the way to builders and architects. We really want people to understand homes and buildings uh, alike as performing systems rather than sort of a tacit structure that sometimes you're inside of. Uh, Because really, your home is something that profoundly impacts your health, uh, your state of mind, and ultimately your safety. So why wouldn't you want a bunch of geeky scientists thinking about how to make it perform better? Okay, so if I could just jump off of that, making your home perform better... I mentioned that we are into human factor design, and this means that when we think about the way your home performs, we're first thinking about you, the person inside the home, and we're thinking about things like your thermal comfort, your indoor air quality. Uh, This of course brings up all the, the geeky stuff, I guess you could say, the air control layer, the thermal control layer, filtration, ventilation, all those topics start to come in. But if they're not ultimately referenced to the occupants, uh, what are they referenced to, right? You know, they might very well get referenced to the owner or developer's bottom line and their profit, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but uh, it's a different type of human factor, I suppose. Uh, So building science generally, just one more quick thought here, is the laws of physics. It's research, data-driven information that is applied to the built environment to achieve outcomes that are beneficial for you, for you guys inside your homes, inside your offices. And that can really cause a shift in perspective. And the good news is uh, the game is afoot. Things are quickly changing right now. Buildings, if you're paying attention, you already know this, that systems and products and assemblies, new ones are proliferating so much so that uh, those of us in the industry here, we have like a, almost like a pig pen-like swirl cloud around our head trying to keep it all straight. <laughs> and that's one of the things we want to do with this podcast. There's, there's a lot to talk about. And in that same spirit, anytime you hear us reference a product, it does not mean we're endorsing it. It simply means that you're inevitably going to have to discuss products. And we do our best to stay objective and really use science-based uh, data to talk about and utilize any of those products. So let's dive right in. Today we're going to discuss a relatively unknown uh, but an incredibly interesting product with a lot of big potential to implement into a home's performance. It's what we call phase change materials. This concept is a little weird to conceptualize, but Christoph and I are here today to help break it down for you guys and talk about what this stuff actually is, what it does, and what it's useful for. So to start, let's actually get Christoph to explain what this stuff even looks like and what it's made of. It looks like uh, oil, like a thick oil, kind of like a, a peanut butter, you know, like an oil that would stay solid at room temperature 
but then it would melt uh, into an oily mix. Um, I don't know exactly the color. I'm thinking some sort of clearish, yellowish color. When I like you... to imagine it as gray. Okay, it could be gray. <laughs> Texture-wise, it kind of reminds you of if you put peanut butter in your fridge and then put peanut butter out in the sun, right? It, you, get the, you get the sense of what it does there. And by the way, peanut butter in your fridge is in the solid phase, and out in the sun it's in the liquid phase, so it's done a phase transition. Um, but when you buy it, the phase change material itself needs to be encapsulated in something, and there's different manufacturers over the years have handled that differently. Um, one of the products that we are familiar with now and that we're starting to design systems with is in packages kind of like those little jelly packages that you would find at a at a restaurant where you could peel the foil off the top so little squares you know maybe about the size of a jelly packet and these this those little squares of material would come on sheets uh, plastic sheets and the sheets can be perforated to make them vapor open or they can be vapor closed but so yeah, that answers what it looks like. Yeah, what it's made of. It's, a, it's, it's made of soy and palm oils with some sort of you know, proprietary additives to cause it to freeze at room temperature. Since this concept is a little weird to understand in the conventional context that we think of building materials behaving in, it's good to think about sort of a good parallel for it, which would be water and how water behaves. It actually goes through different phases as it changes from, uh, which is most of us grew up having been taught about the water cycle, right? Depending on the temperature, water can change from vapor, which is a gas, into its liquid state, which we drink all the time, and then to ice, which is a solid. If this process were happening with human-sized molecules, you can think of the phase changes uh, caused by temperature fluctuations as a bunch of people being packed into a subway car, right? And that subway car becomes more or less dense depending on what the temperature is. The important thing to remember here is that thinking about building material intentionally using the changing of phase is not a very familiar concept, but it's definitely a potent one. Mm -hmm. So when, it, when we're talking about water and building materials, the concept, uh, there's a couple of interesting um, ideas came up for me. One is that what makes Earth Earth and what makes us us is the fact that water exists on our planet in all three in forms. all three forms in solid liquid and vapor and by the way the difference between vapor and gas is sometimes not well understood it simply mean, vapor simply means a gas that is is near becoming a liquid so when you see water vapor in the air it, it could always become a liquid but the point is that water is what makes us us and it's a very good metaphor for phase change material if you take water let's say you take ice actually that's water in solid form. As Michael said, that's like people crammed into cars, subway cars. You start to add energy to it, all those people start to shake, all the molecules start to shake. Eventually, they will absorb enough energy to shake so much that they can't stay together in the lattice configuration that makes ice ice. Once that happens, they're now like people in the subway car, not crammed together shoulder to shoulder, but more like holding hands, like dancing together. If you keep adding energy, eventually they can't even hold hands and they're gonna blow apart and now you have water vapor. So the really interesting part and what makes the whole topic of phase change material work is that while you're adding energy to create a phase transition, while you're taking ice and melting it to water, it is not changing temperature.
So once again, make sure you get in this core concept. What's happening is energy is being absorbed. Let's say we're just melting ice, not freezing ice. So we're, energy is being absorbed, but when you're at the phase train change, temperature is not going up. That's a big deal. Um, one more concept I'd like to make sure we understand is that using phase change or uh, exploiting phase change on our behalf is already happening right now. I almost certainly the home or vehicle you're in right now is exploiting phase, phase change, specifically the phase change between liquid and vapor. And the reason I'm pretty confident that it's where you are right now is because if you have an air conditioner nearby, a heat pump, a refrigerator, a heat pump water heater, a freezer, all of those things work on the vapor compression cycle, which use the phase changing property as this big thermal shovel to move heat from place to place. So it's a very common concept, it's a very big deal. And with PCM, or phase change materials, for the first time, we're really looking at um, making our buildings work for us themselves to create thermal comfort instead of just relying on the air. And we're looking at exploiting this transition, not between liquid and vapor, but between solid and liquid. That's really fascinating, but I think maybe for most people, and especially me, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, I'm a little confused about energy and temperature. Is there a simpler way that we can sort of think about that? Sure, yeah. So temperature is simply, well, actually it doesn't sound that simple, but temperature is simply a, a measurement of something. And what it's a measurement of is uh, how much molecules are vibrating. Um, so the more molecule vibrates, the higher its temperature. So let me try to make it simple again. If we had adding energy and temperature as a metaphor of adding money and looking at your bank account balance, that would be accurate. So <clears throat> you add energy and temperature goes up. You add money to your bank account and your bank account balance should go up. That's something we understand. You keep adding money, bank account balance keeps going up. Everything's good. If you take some money out of the bank, then you understand why the bank account balance went down. So same thing. You add, you add energy, temperature goes up. You take away energy, temperature goes down. And that is the realm of insulation. Insulation just slows down the rate of um, energy moving through a material. Phase change materials, check this out. So if we were adding money to our bank account, keep adding money, keep adding money, and temperature's going up, let's say that's ice, we're adding temperature to ice, we keep adding it and adding it. Um, eventually, in the money metaphor, we start to add money to our bank account and the temperature doesn't go up. So we say, huh, let me add some more money to our bank account and the temperature still doesn't go up. At which point you'd want to call your bank. Yes, right? you'd want to say, what the heck's going on here? So Fraud prevention in, in putting it into some, some units, like quantifying this a little bit, uh, energy added to a system is measured here in the West in what are called BTUs, British Thermal Units. And a BTU is not a trivial amount of heat. If someone wants to dump a BTU into your hand, that is a kitchen match, burn start to finish. So it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of energy. What an interesting unit. A BTU. Oh, we actually, actually defined, I think, around 61, 62 degrees Fahrenheit. You add one BTU to one pound of water and it goes up one degree Fahrenheit. That's BTUs uh, of energy, but let's say we're going to use this banking metaphor because I think it works here. So instead of um, dollars going into your bank account, let's say you're adding BTUs to your bank account, your thermal bank account, let's say. 
So you have ice, you get to this phase change moment and you add one BTU to your bank account there and your account balance hasn't moved. So you say, huh, that's weird. So you keep adding more and more um, BTU dollars to your bank account and you actually have to add, from in the case of water, moving from ice to liquid, you have to add 144 BTUs for every pound of water before wow. it starts to change temperature again. That's bizarro. And incidentally, it's the reason vapor compression is so potent is it's 970 BTUs to go from liquid to vapor. Oh, wow. That's what I meant by the big thermal shovel. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And back to the, the banking idea again, uh, interestingly enough, one of the most common and interesting ways that phase change materials are currently used uh, are in banks. And it's a really fascinating use of these materials because when they install these phase change materials in the ceilings and roofs of banks, the temperature inside is stabilized. And what happens as a result of this stabilized temperature inside is that the banking customers actually physiologically feel more secure and that the banking institution is more solid and stable. Obviously, this makes sense for banks that are using buildings that were once maybe a CVS or a fast food joint. And instead of feeling like you're in a repurposed, standardized building that was once a jack-in-the-box, the phase change materials are acting to stabilize the temperature in the building and make you feel more secure. So you put faith in their institution, and then you put your money into their bank, right? Yeah, man. What a solid metaphor. <laughs> and we're not going to go into the subject of the banking system, right? That's, <laughs> no, not building that's science. a different podcast. I don't think it's science-based. So, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more now about how... PCM, and keep in mind that's phase change material, how PCM can be used in buildings and homes. And there's three main, I call them plays, there's three main plays you can do with PCM. The first is the one that you were just talking about in the bank, where you're making it more comfortable. Comfort is defined in a crunchy way. There's a ASHRAE, a group of engineers that have defined comfort, and one of the criteria in their comfort standard is how quickly can temperatures change. They call them temperature ramps. So they're, they're allowed certain rates of change over certain time periods. I'm going to assume that's off the table for now. We're not going to go there. But <laughs> temperature, temperature ramps are, are to be avoided. You want stable temperatures. And like you were saying, when you have stable temperatures, it's like a mind trick and it makes you feel secure. So that is the first play. That is a thermal comfort play. You put PCM on the indoor surfaces of your rooms or you know, just above the suspended ceiling in a bank. And what it does is it stabilizes the indoor temperature. That is play number one, the comfort play. So that one's fairly assured if you use PCM properly and it is designed properly with the right melting point. Mm -hmm. That takes a while to get used to, the fact that the freeze melt point is at room temperature. Um, it's very different from water. Yeah, so that's the comfort play. The second one is the lo peak load shifting play. This is also fairly important. This one could be, again, you put the PCM facing the interior surface, um, attempt to go into the subtleties. There's lots of different ways these CDs can be designed, but generally speaking, if you're looking for a peak load shifting play, it can align very well with the comfort play. And what happens is you have PCM inside your wall, inside your wall stabilizing interior temperature, but let's say it's a summer afternoon here in Austin and the heat's coming in, it's hitting the floor. Maybe you have PCM in the floor to absorb that heat right as it comes in. Or maybe the PCM's on the back wall, absorbing the heat there, and it's winter time, and you want the heat absorbed and stuck in the back wall. That could be a good thing. Whatever the case, once the PCM absorbs the temperature, 
it's going to hold it. It's not going to be re-radiated. It's going to be held within the phase transition. And then to, and eventually it's, the PCM is going to absorb all the energy that it can and it's going to melt. Once it melts, you're now left with your building as it was before PCM. So you still have insulation, you still have a good air control layer. We, we, you, know, you don't obviate the need for those by using PCM. But what happens is, let's say I absorbed, uh, starting at four in the afternoon, I had enough PCM in the room to absorb all the incident thermal load coming through my windows from four until like 5.30 in the evening. Well, that means that I start my air conditioner, let's say six in the evening. I start my air conditioner at six in the evening instead of four in the afternoon. It's slightly cooler possibly and your air conditioner can run more efficiently to pump that heat back out of your house. Right, because all that heat is held in a space that you're not necessarily feeling immediately, right? Exactly. You, okay. Not only do you not feel it, but the refreezing of your PCM can occur later in the day. Right, exactly. You, you shifted the peak load until later in the day. Until it gets a little cooler outside. Until it gets a little cooler, exactly. Fantastic. And utility companies should like this. I, I don't know why more home performance uh, contracting lists that utility companies make why they don't allow PCM to get rebates. And the reason for that would be that they don't necessarily have to turn on uh, backup or auxiliary power mm-hmm. sources. Peaking, that peaking plants. Right, right. Mm-hmm. A peaking plant and you see less brownouts as a result. Exactly. So that's the second place. So first one was comfort, second one was peak load shifting. The third one is the holy grail and, and it's actually possible to do, but imagine that I never had to turn on my air conditioner to refreeze the PCM, but instead I built the PCM into, into my assembly, my wall assembly or my ceiling assembly, ceiling or roof, roof is a great place to put it, such that as the sun set and the evening temperatures came into that place where the PCM is, they passively refroze the PCM. So once they passively refreeze the PCM, the air conditioner didn't have to run, it, the phase change material absorbed the heat shed it later passively at night and refroze and kaboom it starts you, over the next you day, actually right? created a more energy efficient building that's fantastic yeah and, it, and what's really cool is that this is a fundamental physical property of the material it's it's not a gizmo it's not an electronic gadget it is a fundamental physical property there are concerns about how many thermal cycles um, pcm can go through the freeze thaw slight cycle and still work just as effectively the research I've read, it's um, tens of years, I mean like a hundred years, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and there's there's so much to say about PCM. I really think it's best if we just keep it at this level to, to help you understand now why there's so much interest in it. Right, and it seems to me that most people don't really ever conceptualize how much heat or uh, coldness is actually moving around your house. Yeah. And we don't think of our homes as something that necessarily handles that or does anything with it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just continually pump air conditioning into this space and and eventually we'll feel cooler because we've made this this horse run until we got cooler, right? <laughs> but you're saying that we can keep the horse in the stable and these materials can actually do a lot of the heavy lifting for us. That's exactly right. The enclosure should do the heavy lifting. I mean, fundamentally what's happening is we think of, like, look around. If you're inside a house or an you know, office right now, you, or even the car. You think that all the static components of the car are just sitting there, but they're not. In, in the case of I mean, all of them, the, the house wall, the car enclosure, the enclosure around you when you're in an indoor environment, it's 
constantly mediating heat, air, and moisture flows in dynamic form. So mm -hmm. it's, it's never reaching equilibrium. It's constantly adapting and reacting to heat, air, and moisture. And yet we think about it, it's just sitting there. And the only thing that you know is dynamic is I change the thermostat set point. Right. That's really um, a very simplistic, overly simplistic, so overly simplistic as to be somewhat useless uh, <laughs> version of how the house works or doesn't sure. work. Sure, absolutely. Well, hopefully this topic has uh, at least expanded a little bit of your horizons. Uh, for those of you listening out there, we have a lot to say about a lot of different areas of home performance and what exactly that means to oh, you, yeah. uh, to our society, and to the world writ large. So we hope you'll tune in next time with us, and thanks so much for listening. Thank you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Bye.